With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's drive time now. Welcome to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network. Tribe Talk is brought to you by Progressive, helping Indians fans save hundreds on car insurance. everyone welcome to tribe talk jim rosenhouse along with you this weekend from progressive field downtown cleveland our last show before we head out west and join the tribe at spring training in goodyear arizona that's where our shows will come to you starting next weekend so finally spring training is upon us and we can put the off season to bed and the 2018 season will be underway, and it starts with spring training in Goodyear, and then March 29th, the Indians open the season in Seattle against the Mariners. Coming up on this week's show, we will hear from Indians assistant general manager Carter Hawkins. We'll get an update on what's been going on in the Indians' farm system during the offseason, and many of the Indians' top prospects and minor league players have been in Goodyear, Arizona, at the Indians' newly expanded spring training complex taking part in their performance camp something carter says is good on many levels we really try to individualize the plan for each player but i think more generally a lot of the value of the camp just comes from the fact that you're together with your teammates i think all of us have tried to work out by ourselves and then you know gone to you know a class or something and notice that the motivation is much easier when you have a lot of people you know around you and it's even as multiplied even more when those people around you are pulling towards a similar goal. Um, so that's really a lot of the, the strength of our of our performance camp. Um, as I mentioned, in, in November, December, guys are really focused on the physical attributes. Then as we get into this time in January, guys really start ramping up the throwing programs, throwing more bullpens for pitchers, um, more offensive work for our position players, defensive work on the field. Obviously, being in Arizona, there's, there's really no bad days weather-wise. Um, so it's a great opportunity for them to work there and Hopefully, like we mentioned, be ready to rock and roll once spring training starts. Also, coming up on this week's show, we continue with our look around the American League Central Division at the Indians' rivals in the division. And this week, we'll take an inside look at the Kansas City Royals with their broadcaster, Ryan Lefevre, a former Indians farmhand, who says for the Royals, with five prominent free agents still out there and on the market, who is most desirable for Kansas City? No surprise, it's Eric Hosmer. I think the general feeling has always been if they can bring Eric Hosmer back, 
they would love to do it. He just represents so many things for this team. He's a really good player offensively. He hasn't had a great season yet, but I think he and the Royals and his agent believe that you know those years are still coming. He's a Gold Glove caliber first baseman or Gold Glove winner, I should say. He's a good base runner. He's a He's a leader. He's great in the community. He's great with the media. He's he's a leader in so many different ways that if he's gone, there's there are many boys left behind. We'll also have some news and notes as we get you ready for spring training 2018. Again, it begins on Wednesday with pitchers and catchers reporting to Goodyear. That's all coming up on this week's show as we get rolling with Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field, downtown Cleveland. We are joined now by Carter Hawkins, the Indians' assistant general manager, former farm director, who still plays a prominent role in the Indians' player development system. We visited with Carter earlier this week, and he says, for the minor leaguers with spring training fast approaching, there really is no offseason anymore as they get ready for a new campaign. Yeah, I think, you know, certainly as as baseball has evolved, you know, spring training has gone from a, a time to get ready for the season, um, and it's really turned more into, you know, a time to improve as a player. And in order to be able to improve from day one, you have to be, you know, have gotten ready for spring training over the course of the year, you know, on your own, uh, whether that's with us at some of our performance camps in Goodyear or, you know, at your own facilities or, you know, with your own, you know, personal coaches or on your own plan. But uh, for our guys, you know, when they walk through the doors you know, on February 20th for our minor league players, on February 13th for our pitchers and catchers on the major league side, February 17th, I believe, for our position players, I mean, those guys got to be ready. You know, the, the games start really quickly. Um, the work starts really quickly. And you know, they got to be ready to try to improve because, you know, we're going to take every single day and try to make the most of it and, you know, work towards their individual goals, which – hopefully help out our major goals of winning the World Series one day. You mentioned the performance camp, and I know that's out in Goodyear, Arizona. And I'm guessing that has changed over the years in terms of emphasis on on what players need and what they should be doing. I know certain players have come through there and and sworn by it. Uh, uh, Tyler Naquin, for one, Mike Clevenger, another, who who just love that camp and and were really – felt it it made a big change in their career as they got close to the major leagues and and what are what do you see as the main focus in in that now is it more of the the dead weight lifting or is it more flexibility that you hear about so much now that's a great question and i think in december and in november you know as the beginning of the off season starts that's really when you're trying to make some of those physical gains and try to individualize that to different players so for some guys that is you know gaining mass gaining strength for other guys it's gaining mobility gaining flexibility being able to get their bodies in in positions that they're going to need to be able to get into in order to execute their pitches or execute their swing or execute their defense in the way that that we would want them to you know you mentioned Mike Clevenger as an example Cody Anderson's another example from a few years back where you know Cody's you know grew up bailing hay uh, on a farm up in Northern California, he did not need to gain any strength, but he did need to gain a lot of mobility to be able to get into particular positions with his delivery and to allow him to do certain, certain things. And 
that was the focus of, of his performance camps when he was out there. So you know, we really try to, to individualize the plan for each player. But I think more generally, a lot of the value of the camp just comes from the fact that you're together with your teammates. And I think all of us have, have tried to work out by ourselves and then, you know, gone to, you know, a class or something and notice that the motivation is much easier when you have a lot of people, you know, around you. And it even is multiplied even more when those people around you are pulling towards a similar goal. Um, so that's really a lot of the, the strength of our of our performance camp. Um, as I mentioned, in, in November, December, guys are really focused on the physical attributes. Then as we get into this time in January, guys really start ramping up their throwing programs, throwing more bullpens for pitchers, uh, more offensive work for our position players, defensive work on the field. Obviously, being in Arizona, there's, there's really no bad days weather-wise. Um, so it's a great opportunity for them to work there and you know, hopefully, like we mentioned, be ready to rock and roll once spring training starts. And I know one of the big improvements to the complex out in Arizona is the, the strength and conditioning and performance areas. Uh, from what everyone's been saying, that they turned out just tremendous and, and have added extra room and, and extra areas where players can work out. Is it true that they named that performance area the, the Carter Hawkins Performance Plaza? Is that true? <laughs> Not with this body, that's, that's for sure. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's a really, really big boon for us. The opportunity to have, uh, you know, even increased room in an already great complex in Arizona, you know, ownership has, has gone above and beyond, not just with adding players on our major league team and, and, and stretching on that end to help us compete, you know, at the major league level, but also in resources like this and Goodyear, um, you know, really trying to, to make sure that we have state of the art facilities so that, you know, our young and old players can continue to develop and then take advantage of, of all that, that, you know, that area has to offer. So it's been really, really cool to see how quickly uh, the, the complex has come up. We started at the end of spring training last year. Neil Weiss, who is, you know, our chief technical officer on the business side, uh, led a team to, to really help expedite the process of, of building the, the expanded complex and, uh, they did an outstanding job, and we're going to move in there as soon as spring training starts and then be ready to roll. So uh, an exciting time, and then we're all looking forward to getting out there and then checking out the new digs. We're joined by Carter Hawkins, Indians Assistant General Manager. All right, Carter, the, we, on the speaking engagement circuit, and, and I do a, a bunch of them, and uh, Hammy does them, and uh, Bobby D, I think that one of the number one questions that, that you get, or at least somewhere near the top, folks want to know, hey, who's that next wave of prospects? Who's on the radar for this season who might be able to help along the lines of a Bradley Zimmer a year ago who, who really made a nice impact in his rookie season? And I know sometimes it's tough to name names, but uh, from just an excitement standpoint for you, who are you really looking forward to seeing if they can continue to take that next step and, and perhaps help the big club at some time in the near future when, when you look at this season? Yeah, I think there's, as you mentioned, it's difficult to, to predict those things. You know, it's difficult to predict who's going to be that guy that, that really breaks out. Um, and I think that's the really fun part about player development is that, you know, we, we don't know. We just try to get everybody to be, you know, as, as productive as possible and, and progress as much as possible. But that said, as, as we look at, you know, the, the landscape of the players that are kind of at that area in their career where, you know, they can take that next step, they can be that option at the major league level. You think about some of those players that were just placed on our 40-man roster this offseason, guys like Yu Chang, the shortstop that, you know, had a, a very good season last year in, in Akron and likely will be in Columbus this year. Um, some significant power 
get a lot of Johnny Peralta type comps uh, to you. He's uh, I got a chance to hit for power. I got a chance to play some pretty good shortstop. Obviously, we got a pretty good one at the major league level right now too. So um, I'd have to move him around the diamond a little bit, see if he can play some third base this year as well. So excited about a guy like him. Excited about about a guy like Julian Merriweather, a starting pitcher that just went on the roster. Um, he's got a chance to have three plus pitches at the major league level. Can run his fastball up to the mid 90s. Has a, a plus change with some really significant separation between the velocity of his fastball and the velocity of that changeup. And also can spin a breaking ball really well. So his ability to be consistent with the command of those pitches um, is really going to dictate his ability to, to crack into our rotation at some point. Obviously easier said than done when you got guys like Kluber, Carrasco, Tomlin, Bauer, you know, just staring down the barrel, Clevenger, uh, you know, all those guys. Um, below that, there's a guy named Shane Bieber that had a really, really good year last year between Lake County, Lynchburg, and Akron. Pinpoint accuracy. Um, you know, very, very rarely walks anybody, but can miss bats as well. Probably made the most progress of any player in our system last year, and certainly a guy that's on Tito's uh, Tito's radar this year. And then you think about a guy like Francisco Mejia, who's, you know, just had a September call-up last year, um, didn't get to play that much. Obviously, we were in the midst of a historic win streak and in a playoff race, but Francisco clearly is a, a young prospect rookie that, that has a bat that could help impact our team at some point. The only issue there, it's, it's a great problem to have, just like with our starting pitching, just like with our first base and our shortstops. Um, you know, we got some some really good uh, catchers in Roberto Perez and Jan Gomes. So continuing to develop Francisco uh, as a catcher, but trying to figure out other opportunities to get his bat into our major league lineup. So there's some really exciting guys down there. Um, there will probably be somebody that pops that, you know, we're not thinking of right now, and that's the beautiful part. And, you know, we'll get to spring training and try to make all of them better and, you know, let the cards kind of play uh, how they may. And an interesting name who's gotten some notoriety this week is Brady Aiken. And, and I know he could be a ways away, but still intriguing because of the background and pedigree. What did you see from him last year that maybe the the numbers didn't indicate? Because I know that at times they, they didn't look good. But uh, what did you see last year and now this off season that, that gives you hope that he could be that pitcher that was a former number one draft pick? Yeah, I think the main takeaway from last year was was the resilience of Brady. You know, he has gone through so much as a young player, gone through being the number one pick, gone from you know having his bonus rescinded, gone from going through a Tommy John surgery, uh, you know, struggling over the course of his first full season this year. Um, just all of the things that have happened around him, he still has been able to focus. And even when things weren't going really well from a numbers standpoint this last year. Uh, he was able to put himself in position to compete every night out and help his team win. Um, and I think this offseason he's really made a focus on, you know, getting his body and his athleticism back to a point where he can really harness some of his natural ability. And we're really excited to see where that leads on the mound this year and hopefully that gets some of his velocity and some of his stuff back to, to some of his previous levels. And we'll see, you know, the, the Brady Aiken that, um, you know, we were really excited about when we drafted and, and we fully expect that to happen. So um, he's, he's an unbelievable kid from a standpoint of, of how hard he works, how committed he is um, and just how well he's able to, to focus on the main thing. And, you know, we fully expect him to take another step this year and uh, it'll be really exciting to see it. And we're going to be really happy when, when he makes those drives. And there'll be, uh, I think usually about 60 players in major league camp, right around that, that number, when all the minor leaguers get to camp, how many players are patrolling the, the grounds of uh, the Goodyear Arizona complex for the Indians by the time spring training hits full swing? 
it's going to be about 215 this year. We've been anywhere from 206 to about that 215 level. We're adding a team in the Arizona Summer League this year, so we're adding a few more players to spring training. That obviously means we're adding some coaches as well. So, um, you know, that expansion will be well used. I think we'll still have to double up some lockers on the coaches' locker room side. But, yeah, there will be upwards of 300 people in the complex, which makes the job for Mark and Miguel and all our chefs, you know, pretty difficult. There's a lot of food being eaten day in, day out. But um, it's, a, it's a, you know, a buzz, you know, through the complex each day because it's the one time during the year that we're all together and so much really good stuff happens. We're able to collaborate that well. Um, and, and we're just all really excited about that opportunity. That yeah, should be fun. Always a great time of year. Carter, thanks so much for stopping by and, and I'll catch up with you at spring training next week. Sound good, Rosie. Looking forward to seeing you. That's Carter Hawkins, Indians assistant general manager. Stay tuned. We'll have more to come as we continue at tribe talk on the Cleveland clinic, Indians radio network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field, downtown Cleveland. As we wind down our off-season shows, the hot stove shows, we can put them to bed almost as next week we'll join you from Spring Training and Goodyear, Arizona. Looking forward to that, to be sure. Well, we continue this week with our look around the American League Central at the Indians' rivals for a division crown and the team that they unseated the past two seasons as AL Central Division champions, the Kansas City Royals, a team that won it all, the World Series back in 2015. Well, last year a disappointment as they fell under the 500 mark, finished at 80-82 and 82 in third place in the division. And at the end of the season, prominent free agents led by Eric Hosmer, third baseman Mike Moustakis, Jason Vargas on the mound. Alcides Escobar, their shortstop, Lorenzo Cain, their center fielder, all free agents at the end of the year. Cain had signed with the Royals, or excuse me, the Brewers, not too long ago, but the rest of them still waiting to wrap things up, and certainly it's something that they're trying to get done, at least bring one of them back with a focus apparently on Eric Cosmer. We had a chance to visit with their radio voice and television voice, great broadcaster, Ryan Lefevre, a former Cleveland Indians farmhand. And uh, Ryan says this late in the offseason, things still very much in the air as to what type of club the Royals may have this season. I can't ever remember as a, as a broadcaster on a winter caravan or a fan fest going into it with so many things just kind of hanging out there. I mean, this this roster is up in the air. There's some free agents out there that I think the Royals would be interested in bringing back. If they can't, there's probably other free agents they'd be interested in bringing to Kansas City, but they can't do B until they figure out what's going on with A. And if they can't accomplish A, which would be bringing back uh, some of the Royals free agents, then do you consider a major down where you just completely rebuild the franchise and you start you know looking at trading guys away that um, are younger players that are signed to long-term contracts player control so to speak so there's just it's going to be very interesting to gauge the the fans interest and i know our our general manager dave moore is going to have to answer or at least try to answer a lot of questions that he probably can't even answer yet if there was a thought that that of your free agents like an Eric Hosmer, a Mike Moustakis, Alcides Escobar, Lorenzo Cain, I mean, just key players on your team. 
uh, if there was a thought that all would leave at the end of the season, because they're still out there and, and now it's almost late January, is there a feeling that, that maybe uh, one or two and maybe more than that would, would be able to come back or at least one of them be able to come back and, and keep some semblance of continuity? I think the general feeling has always been if they can bring Eric Hosmer back, they would love to do it. He just represents so many things for this team. He's a really good player offensively. He hasn't had a great season yet, but I think he and the Royals and his agent believe that, you know, those years are still coming. He's a gold glove caliber first baseman or gold glove winner. I should say he's a good base runner. He's a, He's a leader. He's great in the community. He's great with the media. He's he's a leader in so many different ways that if he's gone, there's there are many voids left behind. And uh, so I think he is, first and foremost, if you bring Eric Hosmer back, then I think maybe you consider bringing back one more of the free agents. Maybe you don't do a complete teardown. If you have Eric Hosmer there, um, I think there's a chance that they could bring Alcides Escobar back for another year at shortstop. Maybe uh, Raul Mondesi, who's the Royals' number one position player prospect. I don't know if they're convinced that he's ready to be an everyday major leaguer. Maybe he could use a little more time in the minor leagues. But at third base, the Royals are covered there with uh, Chesler Cuthbert. And uh, center field is a void. They don't really have somebody ready in center field, but I never got the feeling that the Royals were confident that they'd be able to bring Lorenzo Kane back or Jason Vargas for that matter. So, um, you know, it's, it's been a, a strange year for the Royals and their fans wondering, you know, what's going to happen. It's also been a bad year for all those free agents. None of those guys have signed yet. And, and some of the names you mentioned and, and you look at, at the potential returnees, uh, say that none of the free agents come back. You're looking at, from that mm -hmm. World Series team, regulars position player-wise, well, really just the, the catcher Salvador Perez and, and Alex Gordon in left field. Are, are fans in Kansas City, because they won a World Series, would they be okay with a teardown, you think, if, if for some reason they don't sign any of the, their prominent free agents? Well, let's go back a year. And last season when the Royals were not putting together the type of year that we were hoping for, they had a little surge right before the All-Star break. And I think at one point, Rosie, the Royals were maybe a game behind the Indians going um, into that last weekend before the All-Star break. They got swept by the Dodgers and, and never really recovered. Obviously, the, the Indians took off. Um, but for most of that first half, there was a question – about whether the Royals would start trading guys in anticipation for 2018. If these guys aren't going to come back, well, maybe we can make some trades here and get some players in return. And um, so the question comes up, well, how would the fans respond to that? My feeling always was, was that the fans would be sad, but not mad and that they would be disappointed because, that core group, as you mentioned, you know, took them to two World Series and won one. And, you know, the Royals, before they went back to the playoffs in 14, they had the longest playoff drought in North American professional sports history. 
So you're talking about any sport at any level. No team had gone 28 years without going to the postseason like the Royals had. So, you know, you can imagine how much Kansas City felt for these guys because not only did they get back to the playoffs, they went to -to back-to-back World Series. So, with that being said, I think the fans would have been sad if they had been traded away, but I don't know if they necessarily would have been mad because I think the educated fan understands the situation the Royals are in, their market size, their revenue at the moment. And you look at what the Royals did and what the Cubs did and what the Astros did, and that there's a there's a track record now of teams rebuilding, and there's one here in Kansas City, and getting back to the top again. So I don't know if, if I'm accurate in gauging the fans' temperament, but I think the same would be true for this year, too, that they'd be sad that these guys were gone. But I think they wouldn't necessarily be mad. In fact, I think some people would be a little bit eager to see, okay, well, who are the young guys now? Who's the next group that's going to get us back to the World Series? They're going to have you stop by the marketing department and, and coin that, sad but not mad? <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I could be wrong. I mean, we didn't find out. Yeah. They never did make any trades, and, you know, they tried to hang in there. And I mean, I think we're all scratching our heads. People say, you know, what happened last year, and how can they make it a playoffs? And I think, gosh, let's go back to opening day and say, all the Royals have to do is be one game better than the Twins this year, and they'll make it to the playoffs. I mean, everybody would have taken that bet. But um, that's baseball. Well, it sure is. Ryan Lefevre joining us, and uh, the fine broadcaster from the Royals filling us in on Kansas City's uh, prognosis heading into the season. And again, it, boy, between now and even spring training and even opening day, could change a bunch. You will have your manager back, Ned Yost, but, boy, he suffered a – a scary injury early in the off season. How is Ned doing, and is is he good to go for the start of spring training health-wise? Well, all reports are that he's doing remarkably well. Now, those are the reports. And Ned's a throwback, tough guy. You know, and he's, a few years ago in spring training, he had an appendectomy one day and then went back to work the next day. And I think Weeks later, he admitted that probably wasn't the best idea, that he probably should have taken a few days to recuperate. Well, this was much more serious than that. Ned's an avid hunter. He lives on 300 acres or so outside of Atlanta. And he was, of all things, the irony in all this is he was was securing a safety line above one of his deer stands. And the deer stand gave before he could secure himself to the safety line, and he fell, I think, 30 feet and just shattered his pelvis. And he was fortunate that two things happened. Number one, that he didn't destroy his phone. He fell. And number two, that he was on a spot on his property where he had cell phone coverage. And he's, you know, he's way out in a rural area where there's, you know, pockets where there's no service. So he called his wife, and, um, and then his wife called 911, because Ned knew that he couldn't accurately explain to somebody where he was. He couldn't move, but he could reach for his phone. He couldn't accurately explain where he was on his property, but he knew he could tell his wife. His wife could meet them at the front gate and take him there. He had to be airlifted. And um, he lost a lot of blood in the meantime. And uh, apparently when he when they put him on the operating table, that he had about a 50-50 chance of making it. So, uh, yeah, that was that was really scary. But now 
Um, he's going to be at Fan Fest this weekend. And I guess he's, he's almost fully mobile already. The first report was that he'd have to be non-weight bearing for about 16 weeks. You know, that would take him right into spring training, but apparently he's up and about. So, again, the reports say he's doing fine. I don't know how much, you know, pain that he's suppressing, but he's, uh, he's had quite a recovery from all that. And when you look at, at his role and, and all the success the Royals have had, and now what it may be going forward, and again, we don't, we don't know. It, it might be a young team. It might be one with, with key players back. But how is, has he grown as a major league manager into what he is today? We're extremely well-respected, especially in Kansas City. Uh, yeah, you know, he's not, he's not one of the younger contemporary managers that we're seeing that have no managerial experience, and a lot of teams are going that route. Um, but in some ways, he is cut from that cloth in that he's old school, but he really adapted to a newer school approach. You know, his mentor was Bobby Cox, and they spent a lot of time together in, in Atlanta, and Ned was part of his coaching staff. So he just kind of had an old school approach. But when he took over as manager of the Royals after being fired by the Brewers right before they went to the playoffs, I think Ned reevaluated his ways and, and realized that for today's generation of player, they need, they need a little more leash. They need a little more room to spread their wings. And I remember our first meeting with Ned, um, members of the broadcast team, Ned said, look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm not the smartest manager in baseball, but I know how to manage and I'm going to let my coaches coach and I want the coaches to let the players play. And the previous regime, um, was very much of the micromanaging type of just being involved in everything. And, you know, the players, similar to today's high school and college players, you know, looking over their shoulder after every pitch, you know, wondering should they swing, should they take, or should they stand, what pitch should they throw. And I think Ned really just wanted these guys to go out and play and just rediscover their instincts and their feel for the game. And, and while they didn't win right away, it really paid off because when the Royals went to the World Series in 14 and they won the World Series in 15, there were so many different plays, Rosie, where you could look back and say that that play happened because of instinct. And you could tie it to a moment earlier in their career where they, where they were allowed to make a mistake and they learned from it. And so, so he's, I think he has an old school type reputation, but a very new school um, approach at managing. Well, he has certainly been a big part of the Royals' success in recent seasons. And, Ryan, I know when we catch up with you for the first time out in Arizona at spring training, this might be a very different conversation depending on what happens here right. the next several weeks. But thanks so much for shedding some light on an unusual off season to be sure, in Kansas City as they wait on uh, several key players. Rosie, I look forward to seeing you soon. That's Ryan Lefevre, the fine broadcaster for the Kansas City Royals, talking about an off-season of uncertainty, and that's going to spill into spring training, it appears, as uh, some prominent free agents, namely Eric Hosmer and Mike Moustakis, still out there, and a potential, especially Hosmer, to return to Kansas City. Stay tuned. Some news and notes coming your way next as we continue and conclude with Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network.
Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. Quick look at news and notes for the Indians. A transaction this week. Another free agent signed to a minor league contract with a non-roster invite to Major League Spring Training. Right-handed pitcher Stephen Fife, who split last season between the Marlins AAA club in New Orleans. And he also pitched in Japan for the Cebu Lions in Japan's Pacific League. After signing with the Marlins back in December of 2016, started his pro career back in 2008 as a third-round draft pick of the Red Sox that year out of the University of Utah. He's pitched in the Dodgers organization, including some time in the big leagues back in 2012, 13, and 14, and overall has a major league mark of 4-6 and six with an ERA of 3.66. His signing brings the amount of non-roster invites to spring training to 21, and I'll bet they're not done yet. There'll be more by the time we get to spring training next week, and actually after even spring training begins, I'm going to guess the Indians will bring in even more non-roster invites and maybe sign a free agent, a lower-tier free agent or two with so many still out there. So still some work to be done as uh, the front office continues to pursue talent and get this team ready to go for 2018. Well, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Tribe Talk, our final show from here in Cleveland this offseason. Next week, we join you from Goodyear, Arizona, and Indian Spring Training. So until then, this is Jim Rosenhouse reminding you that you've been listening to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Clinic. Indians Radio Network. <laughs>